Hello. Oh, sorry, I forgot my name. <laughs> you are too overcome. <laughs> this is staying in. Hello, I'm Anna Bogutskaya. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the next Supremes and American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, I guess he's back. It's our buddy, Edward Modric. Good old Ed. He's got a few more interviews to do. (laughs) He's got a, before he decides who gets the position of being dead. So (laughs) he's going to go chat to Elsa Mars, Twisty the Clown, and more. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. So today's episode, Edward Mordrake Part 2, not very great title, but was written by Jennifer Salt, who used to be a horror actress, was in Brenda Palmer's Sisters, she's great, and directed by Howard Deutsch. So, I mean, there's not much going on here except Edward Mordrake's interviews. So shall we just kick straight, like, dive straight into those? Yeah. Yeah, it's like The Office, but... <laughs> He's he's a ghost. <laughs> but he's quite good at interviewing, though, don't you think? He's great. He'd be a great boss. Yeah. He'd be a great <laughs> HR manager. Yeah. Like, mm, your Siro does not amuse me. <laughs> you will have to file a complaint. <laughs> and I will look into it. Ah, Edward, it's been it's been less than two minutes. My soul has exited my body already. Because he's that iconic, <laughs> a character. I I think iconic might be too strong a word for Edmore Drake. He's definitely memorable. Yeah, this performance by Wes Bentley is definitely memorable. It's very memorable. I just love all his choices. <laughs> Because he said, I'm going to make some choices and I'm going to live with it. <laughs> and I'm, I love him for it. I think it's wonderful. It's like... So, during Ed Mordrake's interviews with the freaks, um, who does he interview first? He goes after Paul and Susie first, doesn't he? Yeah, because they're kind of, it goes in between both of them. They're kind of mm-hmm. the pre-credit sequence. Yes. Um, and their stories and, are, are sad. Yeah. But and not- it's like, stuff was bad, but then also it was the depression, so it's like extra bad. And they're both like quite angry. And they talk a lot about how they're they're... Their lowest moments were were when they were angriest at people around them. I love Matt Fraser's monologue in this mm. and the way he delivers it. And, like, it's just a really good performance. And that bit where he says, like, oh, um, he didn't tattoo his face. Like, he had his whole tattoo body and not his mm-hmm. face because he says, I'm a, I'm a handsome guy. And, and 
if if I if things were different, I could have ruled the world. Mm-hmm. It's just a really like heartbreaking moment of of that feeling of like <laughs> you know because there's yeah. it's 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 so painful the stuff in life that you can't control mm-hmm. and the feeling of like well what if what if what if and and he does a really good job of just mm-hmm. delivering that sort of like really intense and unsolvable pain mm-hmm. so just shout out to matt fraser good job absolutely and um rose siggins who plays Susie as well I think does a really nice job too of of talking about that anger, uh, that resentment that you felt towards someone else, like a guy that she stabbed because she saw him dancing, and she knew she would she wouldn't be able to do that, and hadn't processed her her anger. And just to go back on on Paul as well, there was there's this beautiful moment where he talks about his love for Hollywood and his love of movies. And it's something that we see a lot as well in Elsa, the way that she talks about the glamour of Hollywood and the fantasy of the silver screen. This whole season really is kind of, there's, there's a really lovely lining of the idea of like the ideas that Hollywood has sold onto people especially onto american people and especially in this era where like the forms of entertainment were more limited and different and all of these characters that make up the elsa mars's cabinet of curiosities are very much in love with the idea of show business and very much in love sometimes with the idea of being stars or or providing entertainment for people it's just that the the platform that they're able to access is not the one that they that they wish they could. Yeah. It's like that song, Life on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? Okay. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but the song's about that. The song's about that and it's the songs <laughs> of the show. It is. Ryan Murphy is smart. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> oh, 100%. I think this is so much his wheelhouse. And shall we move on to Elsa Morris's backstory? Yes. So what? what's her darkest moment? Because also, um. <laughs> l- let's talk about the fact that she thinks that Ed Mordrick is actually a Hollywood producer who's auditioning her. <laughs> Ma'am, he's wearing a top hat and a cloak. (laughs) Ma'am, there is green Scooby-Doo smoke coming out underneath his feet whenever he walks into a room. And I, where's Bentley's face during this? (laughs) Where she, because she starts going on like, oh, yes, we're going to have to like change the set list. And he just looks at her being like, all right. (laughs) Okay. Right. What am I going to tell her? <laughs> like he's finding it so amusing. Because he doesn't know. He doesn't know what a TV is. <laughs> a movie is. He doesn't know what a movie is. No. And Hollywood. you know what? You know what? <laughs> I think if he ever did go to the movies, his little demonic face would spoil every single movie for him. <laughs> Bruce Willis is a ghost. <laughs> Great. Demmed face. <laughs> <laughs> the Edward Mordrake Adventures spin-off <laughs> TV show. I would like that, please. 
Ryan Murphy. Do you know what? I would love to listen to a podcast. I'm sorry for the digression. I would love to listen to a podcast where it's just someone doing Edward Mordrake, performer Wes Bentley, that voice, just interviewing people. Like, imagine a WTF with Edward Mordrake. (laughs) (laughs) Talking to Bradley Cooper. (laughs) And at the end, he makes a decision whether he they join his troop of undead, you know, lost souls. <laughs> Tell me how everyone thought you were with Lady Gaga, and yet you were not. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Edward Mordrick interviewing Jared Leto, who is pretty much the closest thing to Edward Mordrick that right. we have in real life? Looking in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> So, Elsa's story, it's 1932. <laughs> We're in the the Weimar Republic, which she describes as sexual chaos. <laughs> That's a very kind way of describing it. Yeah, people are peeing into cups. <laughs> that was the Weimar Republic, you know? Just everyone was peeing into cups everywhere. Yeah, that's the worst thing that was happening. Sorry, that was just like, it's such an American horror story thing to do. We were like, oh, we gotta do the Weimar Republic. What should we depict? Oh, yeah, like a lady pissing into a cup. That's That would just, like, encapsulate the whole period. Yeah, the debauchery <laughs> of the Weimar Republic that's can be. That's the most extreme thing that right, Murphy can think of. A <laughs> lady peeing into a cup. <laughs> um. And so she she's a dominatrix, but she's like the best dominatrix. Uh, well, she calls herself a minette, a yes. French cat. I don't really know what that means. I don't know if she meows a lot. I don't think she looks like she meows. I don't think that's part of her act. <laughs> but she, she does say that even in that world, I was a star. So she was a star dominatrix. Yeah, she's the best dominatrix because she made people sit on a toilet covered in nails. <laughs> I don't know, like the the choice of of like what is an extreme like form of sexuality in this scene is kind of funny. Yeah, be like it's a lady peeing in a cup, and then you uh, make a guy sit on nail a toilet of nails. <laughs> <laughs> Sex. <laughs> That's that's sex. Um, and some people in masks are watching. They're called the Watchers. Yes, but but not like the Marvel Comics Watchers. No, <laughs> these aliens. are the sexy Watchers. They're more like the, the they're more like the aliens in Asylum, right? Because those those aliens just mainly wanted to watch Evan Peters bone someone. They are, yeah, yeah. Maybe they are, because that said that they never paid in marks, so maybe they played paid in like um, like goobly groups, like some <laughs> alien currency, alien coins. <laughs> yeah, they're called goobly goops. <laughs> I just suddenly remembered. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I've been so bad in this episode where I'm just doing all the digressions. I just suddenly remembered that SNL skit with Kristen Wiig and Ryan Gosling when they were adopted. <laughs> No, wait, the um Kate McKinnon one. Oh, Kate McKinnon, yeah, sorry. Yeah, where it's just her, yeah, getting abducted and Ryan Gosling can't keep a straight face. Yeah, that's that's what I imagine the, the sexy watchers <laughs> 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 were like. 
Yes. <laughs> and Kate McKinnon's character is Elsa Mars describing her uh, dominatrix business. And Ryan Gosling's that guy who sat on the toilet and nails. <laughs> Just, just crack, cracking up. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and I guess the end, the the next part of the story is, um, well, it's in the Hotel Olympia. I don't know in Brandenburg. I don't know what that is. So, but I, maybe it's important to specify. Um, but what happens is is that she gets drugged and. Um, in uh, involuntarily uh used in a a snuff film where they chainsaw her legs off sorry there's no like sensitive way to put that they lure her in saying that she's going to perform on camera and stuff but it's actually just a, a snuff film uh which i guess is not really a snuff film because she well she survives but yeah it's it's pretty yeah because she says that oh she was lucky which presumably means that most of the time they would die yeah um and And still not enough for edward edward's like okay yeah fair enough i'm gonna kill you now (laughs) and then he's he's a <laughs> a little twinkling, and he's like, "What's that? What's that music?" <laughs> um, Elsa gets but... upstaged again. Yeah, because she's like straight up murder me, daddy. Like I'm into this. <laughs> um, I love your top hat. <laughs> I'm ready to go be a ghost with you. <laughs> I I still think it's because she thinks she he's gonna give her stardom i don't think she's like i want to die i think she just wants to be famous and somehow in her delusion she thinks that edward mordrake will give her like you know infernal powers to become famous right like because she'll be one of the murdered freaks of legend yeah yeah exactly i see that makes sense it makes yeah. sense for her character because she's not really a she's not really she doesn't really have a death wish yeah i think like maybe the the a slightly different reading is that because she obviously has really suppressed those memories mm. because she, that's why she doesn't want anyone to know about the the amputation um because i think she just she like can't think about it so it might be that being forced to return to that extreme trauma has created like a change in character because it's like the only way to survive is to not like not think about it and completely suppress it Mm -hmm. and maybe this is her moment of like extreme vulnerability because she's being taken back to that place I think it could yeah. be either. Yeah, I like both make sense. Yeah, both make sense to me as well. Um, so Edward gets distracted by the by Twisty. What did you make of Twisty's tale? Oh, Twisty. I mean, brilliantly performed by John Carroll Lynch. This oh my god, little yeah. monologue. Mm-hmm. Away, oh, he's the story is that he's just like you know very nice mama said i was a good clown 
just wants to be a clown. Just wants to be a clown. Yeah. <laughs> Let him be a clown. And it's that I found very interesting the fact that we see a couple of scenes of him trying to to be basically just make a living, like sell his little toys, be a clown, do good and because of the way that he looks and we spoke about this before like John Carroll Lynch's John Carroll Lynch as a performer as well kind of makes such good use of his physique and how he how he like operates in a space and people reacting to him because he's like a, a large man as though he's doing something awful pushes him into this really really horrible place but yeah, he also reacts violently. So yeah, right. It's like the thing because he keeps saying like I am a good clown. Like he he still thinks that he's being kind mm. because the murders for him are well. This boy's parents was were horrible, so I freed the boy from the parents mm. by killing them, and then I got them the beautiful babysitter. Um. So that's, and that's what eventually makes Edwin Mordrake be like, you win. Mm. Because at least everybody else admitted and was cognizant of the fact that they had committed an evil act. Mm -hmm. Like, what's even more tragic is that Twisty doesn't think that because he's so, like, I just, I guess, like, broken as a person. <laughs> like, so, so beyond hope that he can't even see what he's doing anymore. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and he can't understand that even though his intentions were good in his head, the way that they manifested were incredibly destructive. Yeah, like even early on when he's in the toy store mm. <laughs> trying to sell the toys and then he goes up to the little boy being like, isn't this your favorite toy? But he's like caked in dirt. <laughs> yeah, he's just extremely <laughs> unaware of how people see him and how to how to be in a space yeah. and with people. But yeah, but he his story causes the demon to weep yeah so Edwin Mordrake gets on a sword and stabs him <laughs> 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 he just does it very casually as well like this is just part of his job yeah Twisty becomes a ghost and his jaw is fixed and, and he joins the Mordrake bunch and then they all went to McDonald's at the end. <laughs> they all went to get shawarma. Yeah. Yeah, kind of imagine that they would do that at the yeah. end of a, a hard a hard night's confessions. Let's go get uh, some milkshakes. <laughs> and after after this happens, we still get a little bit of episode because we get um Maggie and Jimmy questioned by the police and a little, a little bit more of a romantic tension building between them 
which I don't know about you, I don't believe for a second. Yeah, because <laughs> Jimmy's like, <laughs> when they're trying to, it's curfew and the motorbike breaks down and she's clearly like, well, this is not a great situation. Like, I'm not going to go in the woods with you. I don't know you. And he's mm-hmm. just like, don't worry about it, toots. And it's like, <laughs> for a character who's been set up as, like, the nice guy, a pretty, like, uncool behavior from him. Yeah, so that's why I, like, don't really buy it. Because I was like, did he... No, this is not a great start to their relationship. Mm. And there's only one other thing, I guess, that we should discuss that's really massive. And it's the fact that Dandy murders Dora. Yes. So he returns... I know, the audacity. (laughs) He comes home after after discovering Twisty's body and stealing his jaw mask for himself. Mm-hmm. And Dor has absolutely had it with his shit and calls him out on his bullshit and Dandy kind of, well, Dandy murders her in the most Dandy way. Yeah, but I feel like she gets the last, like, she still kind of wins. Because right before he kills her, she points out that he can barely wash his own ass because <laughs> she's seen his underwear. <laughs> like, yes. that is brutal. <laughs> yes. I mean, does not excuse the fact that he literally murders her, but it's a good setup for the next episode <laughs> he's dirty uh, poop stained underwear <laughs> <laughs> and is there anything else about this episode that happens that we haven't talked about before we move on to our categories I guess the only thing is to point out that because everyone thinks that Jimmy um, killed Twisty mm-hmm and he can't really tell the truth because he can't be like, oh, a ghost in a top hat did it. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now there's kind of like this this situation where all the people in the town um, love Jimmy and saying, you're our hero, Jimmy. Like, have some, this little girl, she made brownies. Take these brownies, Jimmy. Which... Like, and it's interesting, his sort of, his reaction to it, because obviously he's spent an entire lifetime, like, being oppressed and vilified Mm. by communities just like this. And so it's like this weird, like, he's he's so uncomfortable in the role, because obviously he's right to be suspicious of, like, how long is this going to last? I guess we'll see (laughs) in further episodes. No, I think you're right, and it's also like that it it's hammering down the the central idea of the show, I think, of communities and and in the show with specifically this community in Jupiter 
rejecting people based on superficial ideas of goodness and superficial ideas of of badness so it's Mm. it's very it's a very very simple metaphor that's presented in through the the freaks and i think specifically jimmy and dandy in this episode really emerge as two sides of one coin in the sense where they're both kind of traditionally handsome clever in some ways dumb in other ways like young men who jimmy's instantly perceived as like no good because of his uh because of his physical uh because of because of his hands whether as dandy's perceived as um you know completely harmless because of the way that he looks or even you know appealing and attractive and powerful because of that but he's completely rotten on the inside Mm -hmm. so i think this is the episode where that that dynamic really really comes into play in a much much more obvious way yeah now it's becoming like the the now that we've kind of dealt with twisty Mm. it's the two storylines are starting to kick off yeah i think this episode is where we're really because that this is the first one where dandy gets gets a taste of murder by his own hand and not just jumping around like an excitable chihuahua around twisty (laughs) and jimmy gets a a taste of being accepted by other people that are not just his core circle of freaks that's where we Mm. kind of see that's where stuff starts kicking off (laughs) 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 i'm excited for what comes next i mean great great episodes coming up just strap in everybody So let's move on to our categories. And what was your top quote of this episode? Um, you know what? <laughs> what made me laugh was just when Dandy called um, oh my god, what's Emma Roberts's character? Because I don't want to say Emma Roberts. Maggie. He just calls Maggie tiny tits. <laughs> Because he's like introducing, he's putting on some dumb, weird show, magic show, and he's got her in a box, and he's like, "Let me introduce Tiny (laughs) T." Like, oh my god, dude! I think my favorite one was Elsa when she, I think she's talking to Edward Moore Drake, and she's like, "Do you want to hear about my later?" (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, "No." I don't know who that is. I'm from the 19th century. (laughs) (laughs) What about the Boma Boner? The Boma Boner Award for horniest moment of the episode. Well, like, the town gets super horny for Jimmy as a collective. (laughs) 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 I I feel, yeah, I want to say Jimmy because, like, he's at the end and, like, everything's looking great. And he's like, oh, I've got two ladies to... Because he he looks at um he looks at Dot, but then Maggie's in the background, so he's like it's like that meme of the girlfriend with the head and the guy, and he's looking yes. at the other woman. <laughs> it's like that, but with <laughs> Dot and Maggie. Um, so he's like, yeah. I'm gonna say the moment where Elsa Mars first meets Edward Mordrake and she doesn't realize that he's like a demon ghost. And she's like, oh, hello. <laughs> Who are you? Tall, dark, mysterious stranger that's coming into my dressing room? He's are wearing you? a top hat! 
And what about the the big fails for big drama? <laughs> Who wins this episode? Oh, you know, I'm. It's not a speech, but the little bit right after Dandy has killed Dora, mm-hmm. and he's crying. He's like hysterical crying, and then it turns into laughter. Is such a like supreme little bit of facial acting from Finn <laughs> Whitlock because it's scary. Like it is scary <laughs> the way that like I don't know it transitions. He's so good. And who do you think wins in this episode in Paulson v Paulson? I'm gonna say Bet. Mm-hmm. Who's not really in the episode, but she doesn't get kind of eye dumped for Maggie. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Um, I. It's not such a strong episode for them. I don't think. Um, so I'm. I'm gonna go with Beth. Yeah, just cause like that's not gonna turn out good. Two ladies. Mm-mm. Yeah. And did you notice any cinematic references this week? Not directly, but I wondered Mm. whether the Weimar Republic stuff was meant to be influenced by the Night Porter at all. I think just the guy in the military uniform. But the thing is, like, the Night Porter is after World War II, so it's completely the wrong time period. But just, yeah, it still was like, hmm, seems kind of maybe influenced. I was thinking about this, and obviously Cabaret is probably the most famous film slash any cultural property that's associated with that period um, that lives in our in our collective imagination, because that's set in the in the Weimar period, kind of just before the mm. rise of the of the Nazi Party. But I'm also thinking there's a there's a sub genre of exploitation films centered around like. Isn't it called Nazi exploitation? Like, yeah, there's a name for it. Yeah, Nazi exploitation. But there's there's a particular trope in it that's like women debasing men, basically. And one of the one of the most famous ones I think is called like one of the most famous ones is called Ilsa She Wolf of the SS. And visu I mean that's a film from the seventies, but visually it's got nothing to do, I think, with how Elsa mars is portrayed in this flashback but i think it it obviously kind of draws a lot from those from that subgenre of nazi exploitation yeah and also it looks a little bit like eight millimeter you know the (laughs) the joel schumacher (laughs) nick cage snuff film thriller Okay, slight digression, but wacky to be wacky to be into <laughs> that movie, and he's wearing the like mesh tattoo shirt. Yeah, he looks like Brad Molko from Placebo in that movie. Makes me cry with laughter every time I watch it because it's like that's such a that's that outfit is a choice. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. it's like not quite long enough as well, so it doesn't even fit him properly. It's great. The fact that we can see his navel throughout the whole film. I quite I think it's a good thriller. Yeah, like it's a bit I find it a bit silly. 
even though it's like dealing because it is about snuff films and it's a serious subject mm. but <laughs> the the that shirt combined with Nicolas Cage like pushes it in, into a realm of silliness for me I will stand by Nick Cage I think he is a very good actor oh he is yeah but yeah it reminds me so much of that film Hardcore with George C. Scott Oh, I haven't seen that. It's basically the same plot, except that it's a father who goes looking after his, um, looking out for his missing daughter. Well, that was a digression that I did not expect. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you pick up on any insensitive historical references this week? I get like the Weimar Republic. <laughs> and I guess the insensitive part of it is. I mean, this is a period of history I don't know a huge amount amount of stuff about, but like she kind of describes it as, yeah, sexual chaos, like something super, like it's very negative in a very negative light. But this was also a period where um, they had the sex reform movement, which was all about like very positive things <laughs> like um creating access to birth control and also to access to information about birth control to reform abortion laws um to recognize all forms of sexuality uh the the foundation of the institute of sexual research by magnus hirschfeld was hirschfeld was during this period um and the anti being and they're anti persecution of sex work as well, and it was a, a like a socialist communist movement, and it was it was pop it was very popular, although like a lot of their aims weren't realized until the nineteen seventies and so much later for for obvious reasons. Mm. But yeah, it's it is like I mean, this is you know, for American horror story and they're just doing like one little bit <laughs> It obviously was never going to be accurate, but it is a bit odd maybe to lens the Weimar Republic as like, you know, people were pissing in cups. <laughs> what a crazy time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it was, they, there was something more kind of grounded and political and positive mm. happening during that period. And to round off, who would you say is the MVP of the episode? Hmm. Hmm. It's a good question. A lot of people win in this episode. Like oh. Jimmy Jimmy wins. Yeah. Twisty kinda wins. <laughs> Edward Modrake wins. Dandy wins. Everyone's having a great time. Dora does not does is not having Dora a good does time. Not win at all. Um Who am I gonna pick? Probably Jimmy, because everyone at the, he got brownies. He got a full plate of brownies. <laughs> so <laughs> the little girl only ate one. She said she only ate one of the brownies, so it's a full pan minus one brownie. Jimmy, I'm kind of surprised. I was one hundred percent convinced you were going to say Edward Mordrake. Well, he's just doing his job, though. Oh, fair. <laughs> That's another day at the office, for Edward Mordrake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was gonna say Edward Mordrag, because he's he does his job very well. He does his job very well. Professional, just a perfect HR manager. Polite. Just the perfect. <laughs> he takes it very seriously. He does. He does. 
I think that's all for this episode. But what can we expect from the next one? So in the next episode, Stanley and Maggie are up to no good. Conspiring against the freaks. Rude. I mean, it's not the most exciting thing that's going to happen next episode, but... (laughs) Other things happen, but that is also what happens. (laughs) We'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Freak Show. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. Follow us at The Next Supremes Pod. Also, I'm on at Chloe's Lou. And I'm at Anna B. Demented. Tweet at us. <laughs> Wait, can you say something? The face <laughs> commands it. <laughs> Wait, I'm gonna can, I'm gonna use this as like my voicemail. Can you say like <laughs> I'm not available to come to the phone right now? <laughs> I am not available to come to the phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> gonna miss you Wes Bedley oh no he's coming back next season yeah Wes 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 <laughs> <laughs>